Previously on Winglings, me and Magborn took M to the Rose Kingdom so she could be healed by the Heart Soother. But when we arrived, we found out that Magborn's brothers had signed a treaty with the Dark Army to exile Magborn and not interfere with the Dark Army's spread. We decided to head back to the Black Forest to confront Timothy in hopes of restoring M by defeating the Toad. As we headed back to the coast, the Jolly Leafer arrived with the Pixie Knots and the Orchid Clan. That night, as we sailed toward the Black Forest, M crept to the bottom of the ship and punctured two holes in it. And now for episode 13, The Black Forest. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Winglings and the Fairy Kings. deck. Magborn's voice woke me with a start. She's going down! The sun was barely peeking over the horizon. What could Magborn possibly be blabbing about at this early hour? I rubbed my eyes and looked down from the crow's nest. The ship was leaning to one side. Orchids were spilling out onto the deck. Shouts were coming from below. Em, get up! We... I looked around the crow's nest. Em was gone. I jumped from the nest and flew down to Magborn on deck. What's going on? I asked. She's sinking, Scrub. Help me get everyone out. Sinking? Uh, Where's Emerald? Magborn looked at me surprised. I thought she was up there with you. Garbers. I flew down the stairs. Down below, Winnie and Lou were in the eating area, soaking wet, helping the orchid fairies evacuate. Have you seen Em? I asked. I thought she was already outside, Winnie said, helping an older fairy woman towards the opening. Light help us, I muttered. Will, Emma's on deck, isn't she? I left them and flew deeper into the belly of the ship. Water was gushing through the lower rooms. Boxes and chairs floated around me. Rising water doused the pixie lanterns on the walls. The room darkened as each one went out with a sizzle. Em! I called out. Em, are you down here? I held out my Zaxlin. Lumina! Pixie light shone from Gabriel's blade. Help me find her, Gabriel. With a deep breath, I dove underwater. (gasps) Holding Gabriel out, I swam down to the lowest room of the ship. My wings propelled me with long, flapping strokes. Gabriel's winged handle came alive and pulled my arm forward. I could tell Gabriel was just as frantic as me. He cut through the water, shining light in every corner of the room. I'm not seeing her, Will, 
his voice said to my mind. There's no one here. A few more turns and he stopped suddenly. With the final push of his wings, he pulled my hand down and stuck the blade into the belly of the ship, right between two holes. Bubbles floated up through them. I could feel the current pushing upward. Strange, I thought. The holes looked too clean and perfect to be a break in the ship. There was no time to investigate. I couldn't hold my breath much longer. I pulled Gabriel free and swam up out of the room. The next room was now full of water, and the next. Gabriel pulled me as hard as he could. Hold on, Will. We're almost there. My lungs ached. My blade's light dimmed. I could see the light from above deck beaming through the water at the end of the room. But it seemed forever away. My wing pushes grew slower and weaker. My head started to feel dizzy. I heard a gurgled splash, and seconds later felt a hand seize me. The next thing I knew, I was being pulled out of the water onto the deck. <coughs> Will! Magborn shouted. Are you okay? <coughs> I coughed. I'm alright. There's no one down there. Get into the boat. Magborn tossed me into a leaf canoe and flew up into the air. Rakoshna, he shouted. The sinking ship groaned as it tried to pull back up to the surface. Magborn shouted the spell again and again, but more orchids needed help on deck. They flew down, scooped them up, and dropped them in a leaf canoe. Then he flew around, checking to make sure everyone was accounted for. Once everyone was in a boat, he turned and watched, mortified, as his ship disappeared below the surface. I sat up and looked at all the canoes. Emerald! Emerald! Magborn flew down to me. Easy, Scrub. She's okay. She was one of the first ones in a canoe. He pointed to the father's canoe where Emerald sat, soaking wet, hugging her knees with her wings wrapped around her. I flew over to her. Em! All right, I thought I'd lost you. Are you all right? Emerald nodded, face still buried on her knees. I looked back at where the jolly leafer had been. There was nothing but bubbles on the surface. Magwon hovered over the spot, speechless. I turned back to Em. Where were you? I searched the whole ship. I went to Magborn's room to get some food when I heard cries, she said in a quiet, raspy voice. I saw water coming up from below deck, so I flew into a canoe with everyone else. I looked at her for a long moment. It wasn't like Em to be the first onto a rescue boat. I was surprised she hadn't been with Winnie and Lou, helping the others out. I studied her face. She looked much older. She was paler than ever, and the bags under her eyes were deep and dark. Her hair had grayed and was streaked with black. It looked all but ready to fall out. She looked dreadful. And yet, she was awake and alert. The convulsing and mumbling had stopped. She also wasn't attacking me, so maybe the minion transformation hadn't worked. Are you still fighting it? I asked. Em nodded. What does it feel like? Cold. 
confusing. I eyed the sister blades at her sides. Do you feel like you can still wield Pixie? She shrugged. We'll get this sorted out. I promise, I told her. We'll be back with Mon Pond Emerald Creek, eating plum jelly muffins before you know it. Gobbers, doesn't that sound good? Some plum jelly muffins with honey juice? Em looked at me with sad eyes. I took her hand and squeezed it. Keep fighting. We'll be there soon. Not without the ship, Magborn said, flying over to our canoe. He plopped down between us, cramming into the folded leaf boat. I couldn't save her. I glanced at Emerald and for a split second understood what Magborn must be feeling. I'm sorry, I said. I know how much the leafer means to you. Magborn scratched his beard. I just can't make sense of it. Her hull was enchanted. That wood is hundreds of years old and practically petrified solid after all the pixie I've pushed into it. There are no shallow rocks or starving sea beasts in these parts that I know of. I thought about the two holes I saw. Maybe it was better not to mention it for now. We'll find a way to finish the journey, I said. And how do you reckon we'll do that? Even us pixie wielders won't be able to push our wings far enough to make the coast. Kill? What the heck is that? Came Lou's voice. Everyone turned to see her splashing the water next to her and Winnie's canoe. Get back! I think he wants my crackers. She held her snack away from a big fish that kept surfacing for a bite. The further she held the food away, the more persistent the fish became. Half of its huge silver and green body surfaced, and it let out a loud barking sound. Lou, just give it some, Winnie said, not wanting to be capsized by the hungry fish. Fine. Go get it, you freaky fish. Lou tossed the cracker and the fish bolted for it. Barking bass, I mumbled. I remembered fishing for them with Magborn. I've got an idea. Get your rope ready. My rope? Magborn frowned. Lou, toss me the rest of your crackers. In your dreams? Do you want to float out here forever? Lou rolled her eyes and tossed me the bag. A barking bass nearly snatched it out of the air on its way over to me. This day just keeps getting better, she grumbled. I started pointing to canoes. You there, grab onto the back of our canoe. And you, grab onto the back of theirs. And over there, do likewise. Make a chain of canoes and hold on tight. I started crumbling the crackers into little pieces and loaded the first piece into my blowpipe. Magborn scrunched his face. I can honestly say I've never been more confused in my life. He glanced between me and the chain of leaf canoes behind us. What's this all about? I held up my blowpipe. When I shoot this cracker, I want you to find the biggest barking bass of the group and lasso it. Magborn smiled. We're going fishing. I bounced my eyebrows. We're going fishing. Make it your best catch yet. Don't mind if I do. Magborn uncoiled his enchanted white rope and readied it behind him like a whip. I aimed out over the water and fired. Two. 
The piece of cracker hit the water with a couple of skips, and at least a dozen barking bass bolted for it. Magborn squinted at them with one eye, taking aim at the biggest fish of the bunch. There was one off to the left that was as big as our canoe. Whoosh! Splash! The rope lashed out and wrapped around the fish. You got him! I shouted. Hold on tight! Whoa! Magborn leaned back, struggling to hold the wriggling fish at the end of the rope. Em reached around him and pulled him back. Everyone ready? I said. Achoo! I fired another cracker up ahead. The giant bass bolted for it, sending us zipping across the water. The canoes behind us jolted forward. As soon as the bass reached the piece of cracker and swallowed it, I fired another. And another. And another. Our chain of canoes jumped over waves, jumped side to side, and swerved like a long green snake. Oliver and several other orchid fairies got seasick. Blue and Winnie laughed hysterically. Emerald somehow remained silent, despite Magwan smushing her as he leaned back. My cheeks hurt from blowing so many chunks of cracker. It was a bumpy ride, and I nearly ran out of crackers to shoot. But by light it worked. That enormous barking bass carried us all the way to the shores of the Black Forest. Magborn let the fish go when we reached the Lava Rock Beach. At the top of it was the infamous Black Forest. It looked every bit as dreadful as I imagined it. Tall trees, black as night, guarded the beach in either direction. In the distance, over their canopies, I could see three volcanoes spewing lava and smoke. The trees themselves smelled burnt, but still appeared to be alive. Looking into them played tricks on my eyes. I felt as though I were looking into a vast, dark wall. It was only when the breeze ruffled the trees that I caught the sunlight's reflection on the shapes of the swaying branches and leaves. No one wanders off, Magborn announced on the beach. Even if you have to relieve yourself, bring a friend along. Most of the stories you've heard about this place are true. Even the ones about turning into a fat, ugly worm if you set foot in there? Lou blurted. Magborn raised a bushy eyebrow. I said most of them. You may not turn into a worm, but if something that's not enchanted touches one of those trees, it'll turn to dust. He pulled an appleberry from his pack and threw it at one of the trees. Poof! It burst into dust upon impact. A collective shock fell over the fairies. Are we considered enchanted? Oliver asked hopefully. I doubt it, Magborn sighed. The orchids exchanged nervous looks. I knew what stories Magborn was referring to. There were many. They say that the Black Forest is the birthplace of the original Dark One. That he started a clan here. That's why the Dark had penetrated the forest so deeply that a single touch of a tree could turn you to dust. It wasn't the most pleasant thought to start our journey. I drew Gabriel and held him out. Lead us where we need to go, I said. His winged handle came alive and pointed the blade in the direction we needed to go. This way, I called to the others. I went to scoop up Anne, but she held out her hand. 
I will not be carried, she said quietly. To my surprise, her darkened wings sprang to life and she lifted off the ground. Magborn was revealed behind her. He slowly looked from her to me. Be careful, Will, he said. I don't like how quiet she's being. Nor do I, I admitted. We followed Gabriel's directions into the trees, navigating the endless black forest until we reached a good spot to set up camp for the night. It was a triangular clearing that seemed to point to a spot where several trees leaned into one another and formed one twisted black tree. Oliver started a warm pixie fire while Winnie, Lou, and the rest of the orchids set up peapod tents. I settled M into our invisible teepee for the night after feeding her a bowl of seaweed broth stew. She sipped it from the wooden spoon and had no reaction whatsoever. Back home, if I tried feeding her something like this, she'd spit it back in my face. Remember that bark broth stew Ma tried to make us eat last year? I asked with a chuckle. I gagged, and you snort laughed so hard it shot out your nostrils. Dad looked like a puckerfish trying to choke it down. Em slowly looked up at me and considered me for a moment as if I were some peculiar discovery, then went back to sipping the stew. I miss my light-hearted sister. What I wouldn't give to have a good laugh with her. Light, I'd even endure one of her songs if it meant I'd see her smile. Winnie paid her a visit and tried to cheer her up, but couldn't get much of a reaction out of her either. Em said all three words to her. Winnie shot me a worried glance before leaving our tent. I peeked out to see how the rest of the group was settling in. The orchids were clearly used to enjoying the journey. Not even the dreary black forest could keep them from singing the old songs around a blazing pixie fire. The orchids kept trying to convince Lou to dance, but she refused. Can't you see I'm eating? She said. Where'd you find all those snacks anyway? Oliver asked, sitting next to her on a log. From you guys, Lou replied, taking another bite of a berry-filled cookie. From us? Mm-hmm. And him. She nodded to Magborn in his hammock. I'm pretty much every clan we visit. There were some in Fancy Pants' Rose Castle, your cave. I even found some on the boat. There were snacks on the boat? Oh, yeah, she said with a mouthful. Those super tasty yellow block thingies? So good. That was our fish bait. Lou paused to think about that, and then shrugged and went back to her cookie. Oliver laughed. He glanced up at Winnie, who stood in the shadows of the fire, arms folded. Is your sister all right? Winnie's always like that. She worries too much. If someone gets sick or hurt, she gets all quiet and moody. I don't let that stuff get to me. I know things will work out. Oliver smiled. But how do you know that? Because pixie knots kick minion butt. That's why I wear these shoes. She held up one of her shoes. Winnie has her glove, and I got my foot, and sometimes a bat. They both laughed. Lou nodded to Winnie. Hey, I know what'll put a smile on her face. She whispered something into Oliver's ear, and he chuckled. Oliver scooped her up, 
held her sideways like a guitar, and pretended to strum to the music. Lou started making ridiculous guitar noises, and the orchids started clapping along. Winnie shook her head, struggling to suppress a smile. Magborn wasn't amused by the festivities. He set up an enchanted nest hammock in one of the trees, as far away from the noise as safely possible. As he whispered the spell, the hammock weaved itself between two branches like a silky spiderweb. When the last thread was tied, he hopped in and sat quietly. I could tell he was mourning the loss of the Jolly Leafer. I knew how much he loved that ship. I was sad too, and I'd only been on it a handful of times. When Mother Moon crested over the trees, Magborn finally called it a night. The orchids put out their fire with a groan and shuffled off to their tents. Magborn made sure that everyone's tent was closed and quickly silenced all chatter with the gentle reminder that if anyone stumbled into a tree in the middle of the night, they turned to dust. That seemed to do the trick. Sweet dreams, Magborn added, before fluttering back up to his hammock. Silence hung in the air. I squirmed under my blanket. I needed to relieve myself, but I couldn't take Em along. She was already fast asleep. So I glanced around to make sure Magborn wasn't listening and wandered off into the trees. I hadn't gone far when I noticed the smallest trickle of water by my feet. I squatted down to have a look at it. Under the moonlight, I could see the thinnest of streams weaving through the dead gray leaves. Like an endless black worm, it slithered between the trees up ahead. I hesitated. A gut feeling told me not to follow it. My stomach twisted into knots and I sensed the unusual thickness of the dark pixie around me. I glanced up at Mother Moon. I'll be okay, I whispered. Pushing the feeling aside, I followed the tiny stream deeper into the forest. When I reached the end of it, the dark water swirled into a hole in the middle of a clearing. The area was dotted with tall boulders covered in black moss, vines, and engraved symbols. My stomach twisted even more. The dark pixie was overwhelming here, as if one of the boulders had suddenly fallen on me. I almost turned back and flew for camp, but before I could leave, a tall figure stepped out from behind the boulder in front of me. It was Tim. Being in his presence, I could see how he'd earned the title Terrible Toad. He was taller than I remembered, and bulky in his black spiked armor. His long webbed fingers were no longer bright green, but gray. His face looked even worse. Instead of the silly grin he'd always had plastered across his wide rubbery face, he wore a scowl, and his big dark eyes glared at me. At his side, I caught a glimpse of the infamous Shadow Zaxlin, spiked, decorated in shadow stones, and many times bigger than my own Zaxlin. My sword looked like a dagger in comparison. I swallowed nervously at the sight of him. A terrible toad indeed. Hello, Willem, he croaked. Tim, I know I've seen you in my mind, but seeing you like this... Tim folded his arms. You didn't believe I changed. 
Not this much, no. The only thing that's changed about you is that preposterously long hair. You're just jealous you can't grow a mane like this yourself. Tim chuckled, but it was cold and unsettling. <laughs> My offer still stands, he said, nodding to the tiny stream behind me. Drink the water and join the Dark Army. You know as well as anyone that with the roses behind us, there's no one left to resist. The roses aren't behind you. They've merely stepped aside, regrettably. But I'd hardly call them dark minions. Drink the water, Will. You know I won't. Tim's frown deepened. We don't need to be enemies. We can be allies once again. <laughs> allies? I scoffed. Tim, we were never allies. We were friends. And I dearly want my friend back. What about Emerald? Tim croaked. I'll change her back. I'll use every flake of pixie left in this kingdom if I have to. You should see her. What you've done to her. She's nothing of a bright, wholesome self. Is that really what you want? A realm full of people that are merely hollow shadows of their former selves? She can still wield Pixie, Tim replied. She is a powerful fairy. You've darkened her mind. She can hardly speak. Who knows what dark dreams plague her at this very moment? I pointed at the surrounding trees. Can you honestly stand here and say you don't wish you were in a better place? Remember fishing? Remember sitting around a pixie fire, telling jokes? Laughing, smiling? Can you remember what warmth feels like? Toads are cold-blooded. You know that. I also know that toads hide, even hibernate during the winter. Is that what this is? A hibernation from all good that is in you? Tim said nothing. Denounce the dark this instant. I will not. Tim's throat ballooned with a long croak. I drew my Zaxlin. That I'm afraid I have no other choice. As long as there is light in me, I will cast the shadow away. The terrible toad drew his enormous black sword. You're no hero, Will. You're just another bug under my foot. Rammed his sword into the ground, and a crack split towards me. Just before it could open beneath me, I jumped. The opening chomped like a hungry mouth of rock below. I flew for him. Our Saxons clashed. Gabriel guided my strikes and blocks. Tim Saxon was obviously doing the same. As we flew, leaped, chopped, spun, jabbed, every move was countered. Despite the size mismatch, Gabriel managed to fend off even the most brutal of blows from the Shadow Zaxley. Timothy swiped sideways and I ducked. Rockna! he spat. An invisible blade shot out of his Zaxlin and chopped a line of trees behind me in half. They fell and rolled towards me. I did a backflip over them and whipped out my blowpipe. I fired three Lika darts, only to have them deflected by a figure-eight swipe of the Shadow Zaxlin. Ting, 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 poof, poof, poof. 
They turned to dust as they landed on the fallen trees. I threw out my hand. Go for a trap now! A gust of wind blew Tim back against a tree, and its branches seized him. Nothing on Tim's body turned to dust. He must be too consumed by darkness for dark magic to have any effect on him. His blade cut through the branches with ease, and he dropped to his feet. He made an arcing motion with the enormous sword and shouted, Roosh! A blast of smoke swirled around the clearing. When it returned to the sword, all of the black trees around me came alive. They charged me and swung their thick branches. I flew off the ground and ran, jumped, and spun between their crushing blows. Poof, poof! Even light touches from my shoes turned them to dust. Crack, boom, crack, boom! Some of their huge limbs collided over me, exploding in a burst of bark. Swoosh, chop, chop! I cut off a few limbs that were heading straight for my head. When I landed back on the ground, the defeated trees fell around me, properly pruned and severed. You can touch the trees, I whispered to Gabriel. Please, these shrubs are no match for my pixie, he replied. Tim shot his tongue out at me. I ducked to the side, grabbed it, and yanked it down. Tim hit the ground hard. Flickra! My wings fluttered at double speed until I was on Tim before he knew what was happening. I kicked the Shadow Saxon out of his hands and picked it up. At first, I felt it struggle against me. The impossibly heavy sword jerked side to side. Despite being in my grasp, it even tried attacking me. Luckily, Gabriel blocked it and pushed it back. Finally, it stopped. My surroundings darkened, and a voice entered my mind. Well done, Willem. You have defeated the Toad. It wasn't Gabriel. This voice was much more sinister. It sent chills down my wings and filled me with despair. You have earned your right as the Dark One. Take me to the tree, and we will show the realm who the true ruler is. Do not listen to him, Gabriel said. That sword possesses the darkest soul I've ever felt. Throw him aside. Don't you dare, hissed the other voice. Gabriel is weak. I can bring you more power than you can possibly imagine. You have won, Willem. End the toad and take me to the tree. I looked down at Tim, who had rolled over and was looking up at me desperately. The power of the Shadowstone swirled around inside me. I felt like I could touch the ground and turn it to fire. One word and I could turn the entire forest to dust. With this sword, I could rule the entire realm and bring an end to the madness. There would be a shadow, yes, but there would also be order. I would never fear again. No will, Gabriel pleaded. Yes, do it! I looked into Tim's eyes. For a second, I could see the innocent face of my old friend. I saw the terrified toad that other fairies had chased off. A young outcast forced to live alone in a mushroom hut. Why hadn't we taken him in? Why hadn't we done more? Foosh! A sudden force pushed me into a boulder. Gah! I dropped both swords. Black vines immediately seized me and covered my mouth. Shh! 
struggled against their grip, but they were too strong. Much stronger than Tim's spells. Someone was walking into the clearing. My eyes widened. M stepped out from the trees, hand outstretched towards me. She closed her fist and the vine's grip tightened. Tim scrambled to his feet and leaped over to retrieve his sword. The moment it touched his hand, it swiped at me. No! Timothy stopped it just in front of my chest. He struggled against the sword's pull. He and I are not finished. Finally, the sword relented and relinquished control. Panting, Tim sheathed it and looked at me for a long moment. It wasn't a look of hatred or bitterness. It was a look of silent desperation. Come on, he called to my sister. Anne walked up to me and with a cold smirk said, Goodbye, Willem. She turned and followed Tim into the trees, leaving me tied to the boulder. Rocketeers, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Winglings and the Fairy Kings. Woo! That ending uh, was pretty intense. Uh, I know my mom was pretty shocked when she read that. Thanks, Mom, for helping edit that episode, by the way. And thank you, Jeremy, from HarmoniousIdeas.com for helping edit the audio. Woo! Pretty intense. You know, I remember writing that part about Will getting that dark feeling And uh, I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that, finding yourself in a place you know you shouldn't be, or maybe, you know, something's going on with friends around you that just doesn't feel right, and you get that sick kind of gut feeling that's telling you no to leave, to run away. It doesn't feel good, but it can be a good feeling to warn you to get out of a bad place, you know, because your parents have taught you to be good kids. You Rocketeers are awesome, so if you ever get that gut feeling that you need to get out of somewhere, something just doesn't feel right, follow that gut feeling. It's probably right on point. So anyway, I can think of a lot of times where I had that feeling. Sometimes I listened to it. Sometimes I didn't. And those times that I didn't, I regretted it. So anyway, pay attention to your feelings. You've got a light about you, Rocketeers, and it's going to help steer you to make uh, good choices if you follow it. I also loved reminiscing about just the campfire atmosphere, you know, when the orchids are having fun around the campfire, even though this is kind of a dark scenery, I just, uh, I have a lot of fond memories of going on campouts. I don't camp enough anymore. I should go on more campouts, but I was a scout and we went on tons of campouts, a lot of hikes. And, you know, you're out there, a lot of times you're kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's kind of dark. The forest around you could be intimidating, but there's something kind of warm, inviting, and fun 
about huddling around a fire, that camaraderie of everybody around you when you're laughing, telling jokes or singing some songs or whatever, whatever silly thing you're doing. You just have so many fun, fond memories of being around a campfire. You roast some marshmallows, some Dutch oven peach cobbler. Oh my goodness. Anyway, good times, good memories. You should reminisce. Talk about that as a family. Maybe times that you sat around a fire. Maybe it was a campfire. Maybe it was just a fire pit at your house or somewhere else that you were staying on a trip. Anyway, it's just fun. I'm sure you have some fond memories of sitting around a fire too. I want to give a shout out to one of our listeners, Jonah, who's seven years old and lives in England. Jonah, you're the man. Thank you so much for listening and for giving me your feedback. And it sounds like you've told your friends about the Purple Rocket. Amazing. Thank you so much. That's the biggest compliment you can give me. Rocketeers, share the stories with your friends and family. That is the nicest thing you could do. And giving me your feedback. I love hearing from you. So Jonah, you're awesome. Thank you so much. And Rocketeers, keep checking back for those all new episodes. This is your host, Greg Webb.